Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress series. I'm your host, Tiffany Para. I believe this will be episode like 20 something. So, really excited to have my guest on, Leanne Abad. I'm going to let him introduce himself. So, yeah, take it away. Yeah, thanks, Tiff. Um, so, my name is Leanne Abad. I am a uh, immigrant from the Philippines. I was born um, on an island in a small town called Iligan City. Moved here when um, I was three years old um, to Detroit, Michigan. Um, have grown up here since. Went to the University of Michigan for about a year. I, yeah, I finished my freshman year. Then um, I dropped out for a college alternative program that I actually ended up turning down to do like my own projects. Um, so very much like, uh, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Yeah, I'll just put it as explicit for this episode. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, very much a mess at that time. Uh, I'll use that word. But yeah, so um, now I uh, founded a company called Ash Media, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, I started a podcast called Michigan Makers that um, actually we're branding right now. So it'll be a different title. Um, but yeah, I think at the very core, I would call myself a community builder. Um, a content creator, um, you could lump in founder, entrepreneur in there. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think my biggest thing is I just want to create a positive impact in the world. That's really cool. Yeah. Leanne, you do a lot of stuff. It was really cool. Um, cause we originally met at a LinkedIn Clippers meetup event. Um, cause we're both like, I, I think we're both into LinkedIn. You're pretty into LinkedIn, right? Because you're a campus yeah. editor and everything. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool to meet. And then you were telling me all the stuff you're working on. And I was just like really impressed. And then you told me you were 20. And I was like, what? Like how? I don't know. I just feel like when I think back to like my second year of college, like I was not starting a company. Like I was just doing school. So I think you definitely have a certain self-awareness to yourself that's like, hard to come by at an early age. So that's really cool to see. Um, so yeah, your story sounds really interesting. I'm excited to like break it down a bit. Uh, so for you, um, I guess let's take it back to like growing up in the Philippines. Like what was that like? Yeah. So actually, I mean, we moved here when I was three, so I don't remember too uh, okay. much of it, mm -hmm. but, um, like we saw like pictures and stuff like my mom would always talk like my mom's a typical Filipino yeah. mom she would always mm -hmm. you know uh tell me <laughs> different stories of different things I did like it was just it was very I think you know especially like um now that I'm more mature and actually can and understand really appreciate some of those stories uh, that my parents tell me um I can really attest to like just you know, people say like the American dream and, and not necessarily just starting your own company, but really, you know, coming here for a better life because, you know, like when I was literally, when I think when I was two years old, um, my mom was telling me this, so definitely could be wrong or whatever, but, mm -hmm. um, she told me like, uh, even some, some of the simplest things, like when I was still a baby, I think, yeah, one or two, um, I had like a lot of like snot in my nose and she didn't have like one of those things, that, like one of those devices that like suck out the snot so you can actually breathe as a baby, right? So literally what she had to do was she had to put her lips to my nose and this might be a little too graphic, but uh -huh. <laughs> she would have to like, she literally had to suck out my snot and spit it back out. And so I was like, oh man, one, that's disgusting. But two, like when you think of it, it's, it's like, wow, you know, other than the fact that 
like my mom's amazing that she did that um and like i'm so grateful she did that because i probably would have died but um like you can really see okay like moving to the states that that's the clear um mindset for someone in like our position um my parents position to to just live to allow you know myself my younger sister to live a better life where we have a lot more freedom and you know it's it's a little bit more acceptable depending on the circles you're in to like drop out of college and and do something that you're really passionate about um and so yeah i mean growing up i don't remember it much but that's just one of the stories um i think you know uh, in the philippines it's it's obviously really hot it's like right next to the equator um and i think it's a really we i've had the pleasure to um visit there twice since we moved here to the states um and and kind of talk to like my cousins and my extended family uh and you know what i really love about it is just it's just a simple family life you know like we don't have to worry about um like at least i don't have to worry about um like what's going on like business wise like like negotiating contracts and stuff like that and, and and emails and all of this it's just you know when you live there um at least my family like we just hang out you know and, and we go to church on sundays and you know on the weekday we we visit an island and like a new island every day mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah and like we eat good food and yeah it's just very i would call it very like simple i guess yeah that's super cool. And I feel kind of dumb right now. You say 2000 and I'm like, oh, 2000 was not that long ago. And then I just thought about <laughs> it. I was like, oh, sh- like we're in 2018 now. Like that was 18 years ago. I don't know. Like just like, isn't that kind of crazy? Like we're almost at 2020, like 2000. Yeah. Yeah, but right. 2000 doesn't sound like that long ago. I don't know why. It really, but doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. I was only at four at 2000. So I wouldn't remember much either. So I guess a better question would be, what was it like growing up in Detroit? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I grew up, so when we moved to Detroit, we, we lived in like actual Detroit city proper, um, for like a year. And then we moved out to the suburbs, which still, we only like, I'm in my old house right now. We're still like only 20 minutes away from the actual city. Um, and you know, growing up here was, it was pretty, like my mom's a nurse. Right. And so they get, they get paid like relatively well not not the most I, I don't think nearly enough as they deserve you know but um so we grew up pretty like middle class um and i think you know uh we we were kind of like lower middle class so like middle of middle class so wasn't too um like i, I don't want to say privileged to make it sound bad but it, we didn't like we definitely had to work like I definitely recognized you know at an early age like my parents had to work for what they wanted you know especially my mom um I remember you know when we still lived in um Detroit city proper like she walked like before we we didn't have a car the first year we were here and she walked literally 40 minutes every day work and that was still with this with the snow and like I remember you know very vividly actually um I think I was about four um when like my dad her um and i uh would walk with her to work some days and it was just it was crazy i mean it was a i was relatively oblivious at the time because i was only four but looking back at that now it was like wow you know like this is the life of of, like immigrants you know and so i i feel very 
humbled and grateful to have experienced that and and know and and not just know but live that life um but yeah so uh i mean i i grew up like wanting to be an athlete <laughs> i wanted to be a d1 athlete and eventually make it to the pros um <laughs> which is funny because like my first sport that i fell in love with was basketball then my second was uh was track and then football and then wrestling um and wrestling is kind of where i ended my athletic career um but yeah it, it, it's definitely we could go into that if you want but it's definitely a cool time yeah i mean I'm down for whatever. This is kind of like a loose <laughs> format. I mean, I like to have some, like I I know going into like each podcast episode, kind of like I know at least like one thing I want to ask about or like kind of some, I don't know, something that I know for sure I want to like give value to the viewers or like listeners on. But for the most part, it's like pretty loose. Um, but yeah, like how do you feel like sports, like what life lessons did doing those sports give you that like transferred to like what you're doing now as like a founder community builder and all that you do yeah it's really um it's i mean it's cliche to say but really like the concept of if you really want something you have to work for it because like i mean when we met you you saw like my physicality but like i'm like a short five foot three asian dude you know (laughs) and so like when i played basketball it was like, okay, obviously I was point guard, but I wasn't even that good. You know, I was definitely a competitor. Like I, I had the hunger, but really where my like um, athletic drives started to form was when I ran track because I ran hurdles and that was in middle school. Um, and the hurdles were still like at my waist, so I could still <laughs> jump over them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and the reason why I say that's that's where my athletic drive formed was because um like I actually was a competitor like I actually was fast and I was I think point yeah I was point I was a tenth of a second away from breaking the middle school 55 meter hurdle record um at like legit five foot um (laughs) and and yeah my mate so like we would have like our conference right um and, and uh conference of like five different middle schools in the area and the only other rival I had was this guy named Tylen Redding. And right now he's a division one wide receiver at Bowling Green State University. Um, and so like my, I remember my eighth grade year, my hurdles coach was like hyping me up and like trying to mentally prep me to like race him. And like, now we're like, we're not, we don't stay in touch as much anymore, but like, you know, when we were competing against each other, it was like, yeah, like it was, it was definitely uh, a cool competition because like you could just see the stark difference of like, wait, this like short Asian dude is about to like race this tall black dude. Like, I want to see this happen because like they're hyping this short Asian dude up like, like he's, <laughs> he's actually good. And like, I mean, we legit like, I think I, I hit the very last hurdle when we raced. Um, so like I, I finished, we I think we would have actually tied and and he broke like legit eight seconds i think he that that race he finished like se- or either 8.01 or 799 or something like that and i finished like 8.5 which was not like which was already fast because it was record um but uh it was definitely like disappointing to actually lose to him because i hit a hurdle mm-hmm. um anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> um no that's really cool to hear and like I feel like, yeah, you do have to, like, make make it for yourself. And, like, I feel like sports definitely taught me that. 
Um, but my I like ran cross country in high school and I did track, but I feel like I don't know, I feel like I was never really like too like overly competitive about it. Like I wanted because I kind of knew I wasn't going to be like number one. Like, I don't know. I went into every race and I was like, it wasn't even just like, oh, you like, you know, some people say like, oh, if you go into like the wrong mindset, like then you're it's not going to happen. But it wasn't even that. It was just like some people are literally built to run cross country. Like they're literally half the like I'm already a small person. Like I'm not like I'm just small. You know, I weigh like, I don't know, like 118. I'm like five, three. But these girls, they were like, some of them were like, I don't know, taller than me and then literally sticks. And I'm like, oh, well, your legs don't even like you could just run for days. I don't know. But um, no, that's really that's that's awesome to hear. And like, it's cool that you were able to like get that competitive side out of you. Um, so what did it like? What happened with sports? Like when was it kind of just like, OK, this dream is going to die. It's time to move on to something else. Yeah, that's sort of like the harsh reality. Right. Um, which which was sort of sort of the case. So um, as I mentioned earlier, my last sport where the dream kind of ended, quote unquote, was wrestling. And even that, you know, if I really wanted to pursue it, I definitely could have. Um, so to provide context, like my very first time stepping on a wrestling mat was my freshman year of high school. And it was literally because at the end of football season, the coaches were like, you'd be a good one or three pounder. And I was like, I've never wrestled. I'll try it. What am I going to do? Play basketball? Probably not. <laughs> right. Cause this in, in high school, you actually have to try out. Um, and so I started wrestling my freshman year of high school that year. I think I, and I'm a very fast learner. Um, and so I think that year I ended up like, right, like 16 wins, 16 losses. So pretty even, but the next year, um, I had won my district became a regional qualifier. Um, and then the year after that, my junior year, um, I was a state qualifier, um, a conference champion, another time regional qualifier, my senior year, um, state qualifier again, conference champion again, um, and just like had kept <clears throat> winning these tournaments, right? And so like at that point, like my senior year, um, I was really like, at the beginning of my senior year, I remember I was... I was training before it. Right. And so I was training for the season because wrestling season never really stops. Like there's high school, but then there's like so many different off season tournaments. Like I remember going to Virginia beach for the national duels and whatnot. But anyway, so before my senior year, I was faced with like a very like tough decision of like, okay, you know, um, should I focus on my grades or should I focus on wrestling? Um, because senior year I'd taken like three AP classes. And so it was, I knew it was going to be taxing both mentally and especially physically. But, um, what ended up happening was, um, uh, when I was at the state championships, um, my senior year, I like, I lost and I lost by like two points in, we call it the blood round because it's the round in the tournament where if you win, you place, if you lose, you go home, right? You're out of the tournament. And I lost by like two points. And so at that, I mean, obviously I was like very sad and like, man, like, what am I going to do now? But um, even like at that point, I had to decide like, okay, like, and I'm a very uh, like all in type of guy. So if I was going to wrestle, like what I was going to do, and this was like my, my thinking back then 
um, what I was going to do was like, just go to a junior college and join the wrestling team, wrestle for two years, build my skill set. because, you know, again, I only had started four years prior. And so like, keep getting more reps, keep getting, uh, you know, into more tournaments, keep competing, and then, um, you know, try and compete on the D1 level. And I was just like, I don't really want to do that. You know, my heart isn't in it anymore. And so um, I just chose to, you know, go to uh, a typical college and just study, um, which I don't regret at all, because, you know, it, I think I'm very happy with where I am in life right now. Um, and so, yeah, but I think, you know, when I decided to, quote unquote, hang up my shoes was um, even before my senior year, because I knew like, I'm either going to have to like go all in and, and go JUCO um, and then try and go D1. Um, or I could just, you know, make it a little bit easier on my life and um, just do college normally. Yeah, I respect that. Like you, you, I like how you just didn't like decide to do one and then like, I don't know, half try at the other. Uh, it's good. I don't know. I like feel like I'm being conscious of not cursing now, but I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I do on my podcast. I don't even know, honestly, because it's just like the way we talk nowadays. Um, but yeah, no, I really respect that. So let's talk about that first year at Michigan State, correct? Yeah. University okay. of Michigan. University of Michigan. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and like, I know for me, and I think a lot of other like well you're not first you're actually like an immigrant because you came over but like uh for people who like whose parents are immigrants and they were born here like college even more so is something that is like so important uh for our parents like they really i don't know they really value that because i think they see education as like the way to a better life and in many ways it is um so for you was that like a tough decision on like a couple different fronts to like drop out and like what ultimately was like when did you realize that this is not really for you? Yeah, so um, it's it's fairly complex, my situation. Um, I started to entertain the notion of it. Um, well, so, okay, rewind a little bit. So between the summer before my freshman year of college, I like went into sales sort of, like I don't know if you've ever heard of like Cutco knives or whatever. But um, yeah, so like I got into that job and I did like really well, um, but like that started to like get me into like business and stuff and like thinking of like marketing and whatnot. And um, my actual, so like this past year, I still lived in Ann Arbor, even though I wasn't going to school. And one of my roommates was somebody I met um, during that job. And so he actually started, he was like very into like Gary Vaynerchuk, Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, all of these like business people. And like, he got me into them. Right. And so I was like, very like fascinated. And again, like I'm a quick learner. And so like, I just dove in head first and, you know, I started to get this notion of, oh, okay, maybe college isn't needed if you're going into a specific, um, career or what, whatnot. Um, but, um, really what, what started it for me, what started, uh, to help me think about it was like my mom approached me at the beginning of my freshman year and she was like yeah so finance wise you know like this year we'll be able to you know pay for college but i think next year or the start of your sophomore year you're really gonna have to take on debt um and i was like oh man that's scary i don't want that um and that was even before i actually understood like the whole like capacity of it like the fact that you literally cannot get out of student debt 
like it's with you for life. Like unless the president like just waves a magic wand and, and does student debt forgiveness, like that's not happening, you know, it's, it's forever. And I was like, like at the time I was still scared. Cause I was like, ah, I don't like that. Um, but yeah, so that's when it started getting entertained, but it really started to kind of convince me as to like, Oh, I can actually do something else. When I started getting into like entrepreneurship and startups, um, there's this class at Michigan called entrepreneurship hour where they just bring in, um, a speaker. Um, a, a lot of times they're an entrepreneur. Sometimes they just work for a startup. Um, and you know, they come in, it's like a 400 person lecture and they come in and just literally give a Ted talk and that, and that happened weekly. Right. And so, um, I was just very fascinated and like the, that first year, like somebody from SpaceX came, um, somebody from Virgin Galactic, somebody from, um, I think in other years, somebody came from like Snap, um, and all of these really cool companies. And so I just got very, very fascinated and started to like learn about entrepreneurship very quickly. Um, and like, I started talking to the professors that were running it. Um, and it turns out, um, recently the year before I came into Michigan, they started this program for people who wanted to be an entrepreneur, like specifically very like intentionally, like I want to be an entrepreneur, like maybe like soon or maybe like eventually. Right. And so, um, I had applied for it. Um, I ended up getting accepted um and it was a really cool program like i think that's really where a lot of this started because um so it's a year long program and the first semester uh you just take a class like that we call essentially like entrepreneurship literacy where you just literally like understand all these definitions like oh what's a cap table what's a precede seed series a b c whatever like how do startups operate like you know um how do you do management like how do you do marketing blah blah and they like some of the projects that we were doing, like we had to reach out to, you know, startup founders um, and, you know, try and like get them on an interview to like write an article about them or whatever. But it was really just building the skill set, skill set of like cold outreach and stuff. So I learned how to use like Hunter IO to like find somebody's email, how to craft a cold email and then like how to follow up and whatnot, what to include here and there. Um, it was just like very tactical. And then that next summer, um, part of the program was you would do an internship at a startup directly reporting to one of the founders of the startups. So that's when I did my um, uh, internship in San Francisco. I did it with a guy named Adam Tank. He is a former employee at GE, where he led their what they call digital water section. Um, and he rolled the startup out of GE um, into this startup that was a hardware startup where they were, where we were building uh, robots that go inside water pipelines to fix them from the inside. Um, and so I was a business development intern, and it was like a team of I think three full time people, one full time guy, and two part time interns, which were me and another guy, or no, two full time interns, um, uh, and. Like that was really cool, you know. I, I I literally shared a desk with Adam, um, the CEO, and like if I had a, it was so cool because I if I had a question, you know, I could just like pop my head over my monitor and be like, hey, quick question. Um, and that was really cool because he was very, um, like very helpful, such a mentor. I still consider him a mentor to this day. Um, and you know, over over that like year as well, 
I gotten very much in a Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> um, as I was. So I was listening to one of your, uh, I think your most recent one with, uh, with Justin, um, get your grind up. And uh, he, he had mentioned that too. Um, and so like, again, I'm a very all in type of guy. And, and, and what happened was actually while I was still at Michigan um, is before it was on a game day. So one of the Saturdays and I had snuck into this tailgate and it was like an official like University of Michigan affiliated tailgate where a bunch of like the alumni came and sponsors. And I snuck into it because I heard that Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, like billionaire, he's what our business school is named after. Um, he was going to be there. And I was like, I'm going to meet this dude. Like, why not? You know? Um, so I go there. I actually meet the dude. And my friend, uh, Max, my, who is my roommate, the one who got me into all of this stuff, um, he uh, had uh, started the conversation with him. And he was like, hey, Mr. Ross, like, my name is Max. Um, I'm in your business school. <laughs> and even being able to say that is crazy. But so they started talking. Um, and then Max had started talking about like marketing and social media and how he was like very fascinated with it. And Steve Ross had just mentioned like right after that, like, oh, so we actually own part of a company called VaynerMedia. And I was like, yeah, with Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And so we started talking and I was like, yo, that's so wild. Like, I remember just like leaving that conversation and telling Max, I was like, dude, I got to meet Gary Vaynerchuk now. Like it, it, it's done. Like I met one business partner, I got to meet the other. And so I like kind of made it my life's mission to meet Gary Vaynerchuk by the end of 2017. And I did that in like February because I went to a conference in Canada where actually, um, I didn't meet Swish there, but Swish was there. Um, so Manu Goswami, for those who don't know, but um, he was there. But so I I'd met Gary. Um, and like from that, you know, like fast forward again, like, man, these are like different timelines, which is, it's, it's interesting to like piece them together. But so in June, during my internship, when I was in San Francisco, I remember I had, um, I had been cold tweeting at Gary to try and meet him. Um, and like, finally one day, I was like, hey, you're an SF for this event, um, June 14th. I'm going to be here this whole summer for an internship. Can we meet up? And he tweets back at me like, maybe, right? And so I was like, all right, bet, Gary. <laughs> um, so I started like cold emailing him whatnot. And uh, what ultimately happened was, um, again, like when I, I, so I mentioned the college alternative program. Um, uh, that, that program is called Mission U. They actually recently got acquired by, uh, one of WeWork, uh, one of WeWork's companies, but um, I had gotten accepted to that. And where this ties into Gary is that their founder Adam Braun had actually been on a show, and that's originally how I had heard of the program. And so when I got accepted to it, um, I was like freaking out. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" So I, I cold emailed Gary later that night, saying, "Hey, Gary, I'm dropping." So I think the subject line. Um, was in all caps, Gary, I'm dropping out of college. And so the body was like, hey, I got accepted to Mission U. Like, I just got the call from Adam Braun like earlier today. Like, thank you for putting him on my radar. That being said, can we meet for five minutes while you're in SF, June 14th? And so he, so like I, I went to bed, I woke up in the morning and like, usually I just roll over, check my social media emails, whatnot. I see a response from him in my email. And like, mind you, I'm in, so like, when I was in San Francisco, the first place I lived, it was in this like hacker house sort of place. And so I was legit on in the very first 
bunk of this triple decker bunk bed. And I was like freaking out because he he had replied like 109%. Like, yeah, let's do it. And so I was like, I almost like stood up and like hit my head on the bunk bed, which would have woken the guy up in front of me because this was at like 6am, right? And so I was like, yo, this is so wild right now. Um, and so I was like, on top of life. Uh, so we ended up meeting while he was there, um, met in his hotel lobby. But uh, yeah, I forgot what question you asked. I forgot what like what got us here. But um, yeah, like that's um, so like fast forward. I get yeah. Can you ask a question? Because I, I don't know where I'm going right now. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Um, no, that was that was crazy. Like that was really interesting. Th- this all started from me asking uh, when like the decision to like drop out was. But right. I think that like you answered the question because I think it was just like a whole. That was like a whole journey of things. I feel like you yeah. you you did the you did the question justice because like if you were to just say something like one part of that story, I feel like wouldn't suffice because it was just so many different factors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's incredible. So wait, I gotta ask, like in your <laughs> in your emails to Gary, would you just like be like, "Hi, Gary, life update. Like I'm here now." Like, what? <laughs> like not oh responding. So like, are you just talking to yourself the whole time? Some of them would time? be like that. Some of them would be like that. Um, I remember I got smart at one point. Um, and <laughs> I had um, I had installed. I think it was at the time MailTrack.io, <laughs> and so um, I saw that somebody was opening them, whether it was him himself or his assistant. But um, I think really at the end of the day, it was finally like, um, I don't think it was any like specific like structure of the cold email. It was just very much so like the social proof behind I got accepted to Mission U um, that really like helped um, him like actually responding to me. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it was a very, cause like Gary, like every, he gets stuff like that all the time, you know? So you, it really has to be as much as everybody says like different. And, you know, as much as he wants to be a nice guy, he just can't simply, you know, like take five minute meetings every single time. Um, but, but my suggestion for anybody that wants to do something like that for either Gary himself or somebody else who's very busy is what I noticed. And one of the reasons why I think it worked is that, you know, when Gary travels, when he's outside of his office in New York, um, he has more time. And so what I knew was, okay, he's going to be in San Francisco. Like this is going to like, the probability of me actually getting a meeting with him is going to be higher because when he travels, you know, when anybody travels like, and they go to a conference speaking or attending more often than not, they're going to be way more open to talking to someone. Cause they're already in that mindset of like, Oh, I'm going to be meeting a bunch of people. I'm going to be talking to a bunch of people versus, you know, and you see this in his blogs, right? Daily B where like, if he has meetings, like any given day in New York, in his office, he's just so, back to back and five minutes is literally five minutes you know and i and i really believe like if we had done that meeting in his new york office it probably would have been three minutes but since he was in san francisco and before he like had taken the uber to his destination uh to where he was giving his talk it would have been um it it was 10 minutes you know like our actual conversation um and so you know you kind of have to like play around with like the odds of something like that happening um and so yeah for like very busy people like like him you just really have to um look at um like their life as much as you can and it's harder with people who don't put as much content out like gary because like 
you know, you pretty much can understand like his schedule. Like once you watch enough of his content, um, like look at his enough of his Snapchats. Oh, actually I remember there was this like funny story. So I was watching his Instagram lives and his Snapchats um, the day before because I, I looked at his event schedule and the day before we met, we were supposed to meet. Um, uh, he was in LA and um, I was looking at like his Snapchat and Instagram story, DRock, um, Tyler, anybody on his team to get a sense of when, <laughs> and this sounds so creepy, but <laughs> to get a sense of when he was flying in. Because when you think of it, I was supposed to meet him in his hotel lobby. So he was probably going to be coming there that night. So what I did was I saw, like, I finally found, like, an Instagram of when they were boarding their plane in L.A. <laughs> and so I and so I knew, like, typically Gary flies United. And so I legit looked in flight tracker to see, like, all United flights from LAX to SFO. And I found one that was like, okay, this time's up relatively like, like, okay. And so I knew, okay, once they get an SFO, it's, it's probably going to be like half an hour for them to get in the Uber or like maybe 15 minutes. And then after that, it'll probably be like half an hour, 45 minutes to get to their hotel. Right. Cause I like Google maps the distance. And so I legit Ubered from my apartment to his hotel and waited for him in the lobby. And, sorry i'm just cracking up because i feel like such a creep talking about this but i was waiting for him in his, lo in his lobby and lo and behold they walk in <laughs> and it was d-rock it was tyler and it was him and he just looked dead tired and i was like yo i'm not gonna say anything right now but i just told him i was like hey we're supposed to, i know we're supposed to be meeting tomorrow but you look really in it and i was gonna talk to you but you look really tired so i'm just gonna let you go to bed and then i ended up talking to tyler and d-rock um which was cool um because we didn't get a chance to talk at all like the day after um but yeah it so so like just stuff like that you know like putting different pieces together i think that really is what helped um because you know like let's say for example you know i did that and um something actually came up that you know the next day they wouldn't have been able to that meeting anymore like he would have had to like hop on a call or put a fire out or something you know stuff happens and i still got that um opportunity you know i still was able to put my face in front of tyler and d-rock and let's say if that wasn't able to happen with gary the next day they would have known like oh this kid like is serious about meeting gary like let's actually reschedule this instead of like you know uh pushing it out even further and so um yeah, and I, and I told Gary about it the next day, and I was like, yeah, I feel like such a creeper with that. Um, and so he was like, I think really it's at the end of the day, and he said this, like, intent matters. You know, like, other people can misperceive your intent and, and be like, oh, this is, like, uh, with bad intentions or whatever, or, like, they did this wrong. Um, but really, it's like, if if your intentions come a from a true and good place, um, like, you really can't go wrong. Like, you did what you can. Um, if other people, like, perceive it the wrong way then that's really their fault um you can try and like educate them and say well that's actually not what i meant um but at the end of the day if they're just not like you know um understanding where you're coming from then then that's their problem not yours yeah 
I agree. Oh, wow. This is a crazy story. I'm so glad we got to it because uh, I have so many things to say to while you're talking. I have like three points that I for sure wanted to hit. So first off, I just want to talk about like how interesting and I thought about I had this thought earlier. I think it was yesterday, but how Gary's Vaynerchuk's like content has literally transformed a certain section of our generation. Like it's crazy because I when I, I started listening to Gary V2, I don't think I got into him as heavy as you did or some other people do. Like I don't watch the Daily Vs or anything, but I would listen to his podcast, especially while I was abroad in Spain uh, earlier this year. And I just remember feeling that itch like, oh, my gosh, like this guy knows like I have potential and I'm just wasting it right now. Like I need to get back to the States. Like I need to start making content like and that's honestly like he he attributed to like why I got started and it's like crazy and maybe it's just the people I'm interested by or the people I talk to but like how many of them were also like influenced by Gary so I think that's incredible and like also if you hear of anyone who's like on podcasts and stuff and they talk about meeting Gary it's like never a one-off thing like I don't know I'd love to meet Gary one day but now I know from hearing your story how much it actually takes. Like, it's not like you're going to send one email. You're going to send two emails. Like, who knows? You're going to have to send like 50 emails and then you're going to have to like track his flight. You, you don't know. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. Um, but <laughs> before we move uh, forward with this whole thing, uh, I really loved how you gave advice on like how to cold outreach to like a successful person like that. Because I think like even for me, just like cold outreaching to maybe certain people that I am interested by, I want to have them on the podcast, like on Instagram, like, oh, they have 10K, like, oh, they're busy. But then you think someone like Gary Vee, like that's actually busy. Like he's really running like a multi-million dollar company. Like he is busy by the word definite, like by the word's definition. Um, so yeah, before we move forward, I want to ask you like one more question question just for context because like I was wondering too and so I'm sure other listeners will be wondering like what exactly is Mission U and like what is its purpose and how did you like what attracted you to it yeah so um I mean the the initial thing that attracted me to it was I watched um Adam Braun the founder's interview on Ask Gary V um and I was like wow this is awesome and so I, I watched that I think um, second semester of my freshman year. Um, and that was already when I had really started thinking about like, maybe I should just take a break. Maybe I should just like work and, and save up, or maybe I should just drop out cold Turkey. Um, and so I was already kind of in that mindset. Um, excuse me, I had to burp, but, um, yeah, so, so mission you essentially, um, it's like a year long program. Um, and since they got acquired, I don't know exactly like how they're going to be shifted or whatever. But um, at the time, it was a year-long program where you don't pay anything up front. Um, and after the program, um, once you get a job making over 50K a year, um, for the first three years, you pay back 15% of your salary. And so I really like that business model where, you know, it's, it's very merit-based, where, you know, their success is incumbent on their, you know, participant success, their student success. And, you know, like I, I had trusted you know, the, the company and I, and primarily because of the founder, Adam, um, and even Gary and I talked about this, um, at our, uh, at our meeting where it was like, he had mentioned like, you know, he, he doesn't know the curriculum of mission or whatever, but the only thing he really knows is that Adam's a winner, you know? And so winners win. Um, and you know, like what, uh, whatever their future is, um, 
it, it's it's up in the air right now. But you know, at the time, it seemed like a very cool program. Um, but yeah, so so I don't know. Th- does that provide enough enough context? Like, what is the purpose of the program? Is it for you to like start your own company or like find your dream job? Like, what yeah, are no, they trying so, to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I mean, they're they're pretty much just trying to. So it was motivated by the fact that Adam's now wife. Uh, Tallulah, she, when they had met and, and eventually became married, um, she was in like a lot of debt, you know? And so like, he was very passionate about helping to solve this like student debt crisis. Um, and so really the mission behind it was to, you know, provide an alternative to college um, where you could still get a quality education, but very specific. I think the majors, quote unquote, that they started with was like business intelligence and data analysis or data data science or data analysis, whichever. And so, yeah, I mean, it was purely to be like an alternative program to the uh, higher education or former education, um, like a university. Uh, so I was really like enamored by that and was like, okay, like I'll apply at the very least. And so I ended up going through the various like rounds of interviews and the application process and eventually got accepted. That's incredible. So I'm assuming it's a pretty competitive program then. Yeah. I remember looking back in the email, um, and yeah, it's less than a 1% acceptance rate. (laughs) What? That's crazy. That's insane. That's awesome. Well, good for you. Um, I know you, you said like eventually you decided it wasn't for you, but like mm-hmm. still, that's like pretty impressive. Uh, so I guess after deciding that that wasn't going to be what you wanted to do, uh, is that when you started Ash Media? And like, what what was the origin story behind Ash Media, I guess? Basically, so the concept behind Ash, well, okay. So let's go back to when I was moving back to Ann Arbor from um, my time in San Francisco. Like initially, my thought process was, okay, I'm going to spend fall semester one to find a subletter for my spot in the lease I signed with my roommates from the past year. Um, That was number one purpose of why I decided to still move back to Ann Arbor. Um, But during the time, I was going to do projects. Right. Um, and so um, I had one in mind and it was going to be sort of uh, it was inspired by like Mission U and the program I had went through, um, because I feel like the program I went through, the entrepreneurial program, um, that taught me a lot of really good tactical stuff that I feel like everybody should know, you know, like regardless of if you're a startup person or not, like you will get value from the knowledge and ability to like reach out to anybody, you know, you know, and so. Um, I wanted to start this project around like helping teach people that and hopefully get them internships. Um, I wasn't sure where that was going to go, but that led me to, you know, talk to one of my now friends, um, his name's Ryan. Um, and we had started talking about, uh, the entrepreneurship community because he's the director of a, a student incubator or accelerator on campus. And so we were talking about the, the university of Michigan's like ecosystem if you will so like um how like the college of engineering has their entrepreneurship program the business school has their entrepreneurship program and like we felt like there was really um a really good opportunity for more students um from each different program to you know connect with each other because uh for me you know the program i went through was through the engineering school 
And so like, I didn't talk to many people who went through the program in the business school. And so we were talking about like, how do we build community, right? It comes back down to community building. And, and so um, I started talking to people and um, eventually found out like there was an even bigger problem that was, you know, people at the university um, that are interested in entrepreneurship and startups, we aren't necessarily talking or interfacing with people from the professional side of Ann Arbor who are in the startups in the community, right? And so there's not much, you know, opportunity for connection there. For to talk to people or connect with people in the Detroit startup community, in the Grand Rapids startup community. And so like there's this overall recurring problem that I kept finding, which was like a lack of awareness, right? Across like all different scales, like whether you're at the scale of just the university, which itself is like, um, I mean, for the entrepreneurship community, like around 4,000 people in Ann Arbor, which is like more 10,000 people and like in Detroit, like eventually the entire state of Michigan, right? And so um, I started Ash Media to at first be a, uh, a, a media company where it, it would act like a publisher and, and just create brands like the Michigan Makers podcast um, and like, you know, a, a video series or whatever. But um, yeah, and so now um, I'm treating uh, Michigan Makers and what will eventually rebrand to something else, um, which I'm really excited to announce. Uh, I'm treating that more as its own separate entity. Um, and Ash Media is more of a, a service-based agency. So I, I look at Ash Media as like my description for it is like a community building agency where, you know, I really think community has evolved from, you know, like community managers where they're just purely handling social media and like putting out fires. Like literally somebody um, would sit in front of a dashboard of like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all these other social medias. And like anytime would somebody would send in a complaint on social, they would respond back with something, you know, like that's how community management started. Um, at least one of uh, how, it, like part of how it started. And like now it's evolving to where, you know, community in general has marketing, it has event planning, it has HR, it has sales, it has customer services, it has business development. And like community is becoming such a more like umbrella term for all of these um, parts of a company that really at the end of the day interface with like, um, I bucket them into three different um, types of communities within a company, which are um, your customers, and then your stakeholders, which include investors, and then internally your employees, right? And so overall, that's the community of a company. Um, like you think at LinkedIn, um, like all the employees, like, I don't know, like maybe probably thousands now, um, like that's a community in and of itself. Like, I'm sure, I don't know if you know any people from link, like at LinkedIn Detroit, the Detroit office, but like, I mean, you're already connected, right? So that's already a community. Um, also, you know, everybody on LinkedIn, like potential customers of LinkedIn, like myself, um, like Joel, like Natalie, like um, Khalil, um, all these creators, like 
they're part of the LinkedIn community as well, just a different part of that community. And then even like the LinkedIn investors, you know? And so like everything's like becoming this sort of community facing organization. And I really think, you know, at the end of the day, like what I really want to do with Ash is just help companies and organizations like come to understand that community is so much larger than just social media and, you know, being able to serve um, one's community first and, and really give value to them and not just, you know, create something without much of their input. Um, so that's Ash Media. And then Michigan Makers, again, um, to the story of like me talking to all these people from different cities and different ecosystems, um, that's really like a media company to help solve the lack of awareness around what people are doing in, in, in different um, parts of Michigan and hopefully eventually the Midwest. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, that's really cool to hear, like, I guess this the separation between the two since you are doing it, both of them, like how you have like separated your projects. Um, so I just, I wanted to get a question out before we wrap up here. Um, I know you or when I was listening to the first Michigan Makers podcast, I'm excited because I, I just got onto it. So now I'm going to definitely be listening to more. Um, I guess like I heard like you were like this episode is sponsored by and even that was just like so cool because I think for a lot of people who do podcasting, um, I think that there's this notion that you have to be at a certain level to get sponsorships and like even for me, like I was like, if you're already having a sponsorship, like on the first episode, that's like really incredible. And I think that really speaks to someone investing in the concept and like you obviously to execute the concept. Um, was that difficult for you? Like, and and kind of how did that process go? Yeah. So I don't know which episode you listened to, but um, well, so the first real sponsorship was more of a partnership and that was with the Ann Arbor District Library and now to WeWork. Um, because they pr provided me um, studio space. And so um, that is definitely can be considered a sponsor slash partner. But as to like actual like monetary sponsorships, the first one actually came by way of like, not necessarily accident, but it was very serendipitous. Um, because so um, in May, I started doing like a themed month so may was all about the mobility industry right and um before that i actually had gotten connected to this group of people um out in the bay area called meeting of the minds and they um uh were talking to me because they were planning an event um all about mobility it was a mobility summit in ann arbor i was helping them with that i was like yeah like i can create content blah blah, blah. um and, and so uh i i remember in one email chain, um, I actually just mentioned, um, like, hey, would you be willing to sponsor this? And they were like, yeah, sure, why not? And I was like, what? <laughs> and then, like, I, did, I didn't even ask for a certain amount because they were just like, yeah, we can only do this. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, yeah, like, I'm down for it. Like, it's better than zero. Um, so, yeah, they sponsored, like, four episodes. And then um, the next month, June was all about um, capital and so venture capitalists and angel investors. And I had a relationship with the folks at, and I still do have, have a relationship with the folks at um, the Michigan Venture Capital Association. And so the way I approached that was like, hey, so I started doing these theme months on the podcast. Um, 
uh, June is all about venture capital and an angel investing. Um, would y'all be willing to sponsor this? Um, here's the price. And I literally just quoted them the price from the, the previous pod, the previous one. They were like, yeah, we'd love to support you. Um, and so I was like, awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, so, so the way I approached it, you know, especially since, uh, the listenership is like smaller than something like way, way bigger, like, um, how I built this or, you know, other podcasts, um, the way I think I would approach that is, is really, uh, mission alignment. Right. And so think of it like both sponsors, they sponsored a month or they really sponsored a theme of the podcast. And so since I had pivoted my podcast to specific themed months, um, it made sense for them for meeting of the minds to sponsor four episodes where I interviewed people in their industry. It made sense for Michigan Venture Capital Association to sponsor like people that I interviewed that were venture capitalists, that were investors. And so, you know, that's just one approach. That's the approach I ended up taking. Um, and now, you know, we have some really cool things in the works where um, I'm partnering or, or kind of merging with this company to, to build out an, an even bigger platform and an even bigger network um, that will go with a typical advertising model. Um, but like, when somebody is small and they're creating content, um, really, uh, I think at the core, you know, what really helped me um, with my chances of getting sponsorship was like I was providing like real value. You know, like when I approached this project, I had just talked to a bunch of people and a lot of them kept telling me like, oh, I wish I knew about this. And so the fact that I was creating content around what they would say this is then, you know, people actually saw like the value that I was creating, you know, and, and even though I didn't have a full marketing team to get the listeners, um, at the end of the day, like they saw the value in that. Um, and so like at that point, like they understand that there's like a value alignment, a mission alignment. Like once you get to that level, it's really just negotiating the costs. And like with me, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get this amount of sponsorship for like this dollar amount. I was just like, look, even them as like a co-sign, a sponsor on this podcast shows that I have something of value to bring, you know, and then that really helped me get even more guests, right? Like even um, like being able to tell people, yeah, like, so this past month we got sponsored by, you know, so-and-so like that was even that that's more of the thing, you know, that's even like the relationship being built was more important than just the, the monetary amount. And so, you know, my advice to somebody starting a podcast or starting a blog series or an interview series or whatever is if you're going to start small, like find organizations or people like in your niche that one definitely have budget, you know, because um, that's a big thing, but two, you know, and, and also build a relationship with them before that. Right. Um, I already had existing relationships with both the organizations that ended up sponsoring um, and it was mission alignment. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that helped. No, that, that was really helpful. Um, and I think it's so it's really smart the way you went about it, like having the, the themes um, and because your podcast is like, I guess, within the entrepreneur community, like it, it does help because like they probably understand like just the difficulties that come with getting a project off the ground. Yeah. So I think that was really helpful and it's really smart the way you went about it. And also like 
um, sponsorships and just like anything you present to someone you've never met before, like if you can provide some sort of legitimacy to it, it's only in your favor. Um, so as I guess we wrap up here, like, I guess, do you have any tips? Cause you did say like, it seems in both projects, um, I have two more questions. So in both projects, like you are like, you're like a one man team, correct? Like how, how do you split your time up, um, between the two and how do you prioritize certain things? And then, yeah, I'll just wait till the next question. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, as a one, as a one person team, um, I mean, it's definitely difficult, but you know, that's why I started small with just like a weekly podcast. Um, and so, I mean, in terms of how I split my time, I, I tried to like implement a process of like, okay, I have an audio file, I have audio files, like I put it in, in this software and do this, blah, blah, blah. And like try and like implement process. So like, I'm not having to think each time. Um, so that helped with, with timing. Um, and then in terms of like, Splitting up my time, um, I release episodes on Wednesdays. I would, I mean, there are definitely some days where um, I would literally start editing Tuesday at 11 p.m. <laughs> um, yeah, but and you could probably tell which episodes there are. Hopefully, hopefully not. Um, but yeah, I would definitely try. Um, and you know, I've been telling myself to do this, but I would try and just like book out like a few hours on like a Saturday to just, um, focus on like editing like three episodes. Cause like a lot of these recordings are like hour long episodes. Right. And I'm limited as to like the software I use, um, like the, the hosting platform because they only limit me, they limit me, uh, with the data I can actually host on their platform each month. So I can only do like 30 minute episodes. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess just, just really try and stick and, and be accountable to yourself. Um, because the hardest thing about having, um, no team is having like no accountability, you know, and especially as you're starting out as someone doesn't have an audience, um, especially as I didn't have an audience, it was like, well, you know, I, I could just not upload like at you know, 9am or, you know, on a Wednesday, but like, it's really like, okay, no, I'm going to stick to what I said. Um, like, even if I know for sure, like, not many people are waiting for it. Like, I can think there's one person that will, you know, and like, I don't want to let them down. Um, so, so yeah, but, but now, fortunately, you know, um, like, I mean, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty solid networker. Like, I'm now we're going to be building a pretty cool like team out of it. And I'm, I'm really excited for, for that, for this, for these next few months um, to where I'll actually have like an amazing team, but, but, but actually to, so to give an example of that point, really, I mean, even just the value of the team. So, um, you know, all of these episodes up till uh, actually, yeah, even all of these episodes, like all just really me plus like some volunteers um, every once in a while but during Detroit Startup Week, um, I was helping uh, organize and plan Detroit Startup Week, which is like a week-long um, event. Um, and every single day I was recording podcast interviews, right? And so um, I talked to the people that were in charge of the volunteers. And I was like, hey, can I have like one or two volunteers a day to help me with this podcast? Um, and so when I had those people, you know, like somebody was just manning the live stream. 
somebody was just capturing b-roll you know i borrowed my friend's camera gear so we actually have like a camera dedicated to one guest and a camera dedicated to me while somebody's like live stream or while somebody's writing down tweets while somebody's like taking b-roll with my camera and so like it that's like i, I really saw the potential that um you know something like this has when i have more people when anybody has more people right um and so it's really just a matter of like sticking in there and trying to get people like i remember um in the justin episode um like like the fact that he has an early team like that I, i'm i'm actually really jealous <laughs> like me it's too. so cool me you know? too yeah yeah um so yeah I'll, I'll let you get into your next question but like yeah i mean it's definitely difficult but like try and stay accountable to yourself yeah, I share in the same struggles too. That's why also when I heard Justin say that the breakdown, I was just like, oh my God, that would be amazing. Yeah, and even right? just like, yeah, no, it's like even when I'm just like, I don't know, I just can't get over it, the fact that he has a team. I'm just like, this is, because I, I listened to the episode again too. And when he first told me it, I was like, oh, I kind of already knew because I had followed like Get Your Grind Up. And, um, but I didn't know he had like his like girlfriend, Michelle, like dedicated for like, finding the guest and that's huge because that takes yeah. so much time so i really and it also like, helps that she's his girlfriend because i feel like like if y'all are together and you're not supporting each other like is that even really a relationship you know um yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah. yeah it's definitely tough because like that's the thing too if you have a a significant other it's like and you're doing these projects again it's like holding yourself accountable to where like even if you're with your significant other you're still gonna work on your projects like it takes a lot of discipline but um but yeah that's just like kind of like the pros and cons of doing something on your own versus having a team uh so what is like one thing that you think everyone needs to know about before this podcast ends like it can be a book a social media account, a podcast, whatever. Yeah. Besides Michigan Makers, everyone check that out. But aside from Michigan Makers, what should everyone check out? Yeah, um, I guess, I mean, other than Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> um, I think something that was really helpful, oh man, like I could spew off a couple books, but um, yeah, so okay, I guess I'll, I'll spew off a couple books. So, um, uh, and they're all very like personal development type books. So the first one that I would suggest is, and, and this is like, this is a, a a very like dense one is is mastery by Robert Green. Um, like he just details the life of a bunch of different like masters like Leonardo da Vinci, um, Albert Einstein, um, Charles Darwin, um, Freddie Rodriguez, um, yeah, a, a bunch of them. And so um, you, with that book, you can really look into the lives of people who have mastered their craft and like look at the different examples of how they accomplish that. Um, and then the other book I would recommend is actually by uh, uh, Reed Hoffman, who's the co-founder of LinkedIn. Um, and his book, The Startup of You, was very much, like I, I read that, so that so like I mentioned earlier, the Entrepreneurship Hour class, that was actually required reading um, for the discussion section of that class. And I loved it. Like we had to read a chapter uh, a week, but like I actually really, I like read ahead, I finished it early and it was like so good. And in one of the chapters, you know, and I hope people really walk away with this, is. Um, one of the chapters was dedicated to, um, it was called Pursue Breakthrough Opportunities. And so um, like people talk about luck, people talk about, you know, creating your own luck and stuff like that. Um, and one of my early mentors um, had told me like, um, luck is when skill meets opportunity. And when I read that um, chapter called Pursue Breakthrough Opportunities, 
um, it really kind of like brought that full circle and really made me think deep about that quote. Because, you know, what Reed mentions is, you know, you have to, you're working on your skill set and you're working on, you know, your personal capital. Um, and like opportunities will come and go. It's just like the right opportunity at the right time and specifically the right time, uh, the right phase in your life, you know, the right preparation you have. Um, and so like you have to be cognizant of like when those opportunities come and you have to be self-aware enough, uh, you have to be self-aware enough to recognize like, am I ready for this opportunity? Because like once those two kind of meet or once there's a little bit of an overlap um, to where, you know, there's an opportunity in front of you and you feel like your skill set. And even sometimes, you know, um, you that's why, you know, you really have to be self-aware of like, okay, objectively, like, would I be prepared for this? Or is this too much of a reach for me to pursue this? Um, but, you know, once you have that sort of overlap where you really think like, okay, there is a small chance um, then you have to like go all in into it. Um, you have to pursue that breakout opportunity because, because like what Reed mentions is, you know, once like that opportunity and skill and preparedness, um, gap close and then start to meet each other, like that's when like the hockey stick growth happens, like personally, like even for your company, even for, you know, a project that you may have. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, kind of looking at it, um, economically and seeing, you know, like, what is the benefit of this to my life? What is the opportunity cost for me doing this? Um, and that's an, another whole, like, answer in itself. But but yeah, at the end of the day, like, be self aware, um, be um, aware outside of yourself to see the different opportunities. Um, and recognize when those two overlap, you have a real opportunity to do something amazing. Yeah, it's really cool to hear. Um... I think that's so important. Again, like I touched back to like why I was like really wanted you to have you on the podcast and something that really struck me as to when we first met, which I guess makes sense knowing that you've read these books. It's just like your self-awareness. And I think that's something I'm constantly working on. And like if you are someone, I mean, at any age, but especially like in your 20s and like, I guess, late teens, like trying to build up that self-awareness will just save you so much time in the long run because you'll know what you're ready for. You'll know what you want to go after. But it's hard. Like, it's it's really hard because the world is so big. There's so yeah. many opportunities. Like, what I don't even know what I really want to do. So I right. can't. Yeah, but just working towards You're a work that. in progress. Yeah, I'm such a work in progress. That's why it is. This, this podcast is so true. You know? Yeah, that's true. We all are. Um, some of us have it a little more down than others. But uh, yeah, uh, so Leanne, I want to wrap up here by giving you an opportunity to like, let everyone know what you have in store uh, and like what you want the people to check out. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, thank you for that opportunity. Um, so I mean, so what we have in store, um, I think is gonna be really exciting. So um, I had alluded to this a little bit earlier, but my company, Ash Media, is going to be, um, and we haven't figured out the exact logistics of this, but either going to be partnering or, or merging or getting acquired by this other company, and we're going to, so I'll be building out um, a media and content production team um, with them and really um, helping, one, like helping their business grow 
Um, they're an agency as well, and they want to offer you know uh, media production services uh, um, as well as the other services that they offer. Um, so that, as well as with the same company, we're pursuing um, a project that um, we're going to build uh, a, a platform that's going to be the go-to um, place if you want to learn about um, tech, if you want to learn about startups um, in Michigan, or really in general. Like our goal is to make it more like nationwide. And so, you know, building a brand around like we want it to be a really cool like news crew where, you know, I'll be like the MC of the show and like we'll have like legit just, you know, a crew go to like TechCrunch or, you know, WWDC or all these other conferences where like we'll just be there, like our brand will be very recognizable and like we'll interview people as well as, you know, go to local things. Um, like meetups that happen every month. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Um, for me personally, um, I mean, there's that, like a lot of my personal life is really my work life, which I think is really cool because I really enjoy that. You know, like I, I feel like I, I get fulfilled from what I do. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, let's see, I'll be in San Francisco, um, August 15th through the 19th. Um, oh yeah, Um I'll be in in Detroit in the area in Ann Arbor, so hit me up there. Um, my email is Leanne L E A N N at Ash Media, so A S H E dot Media. Um, feel free to email me. Feel free to reach out. Add me on LinkedIn. Um, add me on Twitter. I like to do tweet storms um, like a lot. Um, some of them are educational. Some of them are just rants. <laughs> but uh yeah you'll you'll pretty i think on twitter i give out my whole self you know like on instagram i'm, I'm pretty like just very like I'm, i want to show like the interesting parts of my life on facebook i'm a little bit more personal on twitter it's just like literally everything <laughs> but uh but yeah please reach out please let me know if you want like a tour of detroit like i'd love to to show people like actually oh i just popped up in my head so um Next summer, um, so uh, 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 another person and I in Detroit. He's a he's an entrepreneur as well. He runs a digital marketing agency. Um, we're actually planning this. Uh, we don't know what we'll call it yet, but it's essentially just this like digital marketing summit slash conference where we actually really want to provide you know um, other than these small business owners um, in the area, like actual value and tactical advice where they can walk away with, you know, like a Google AdWords account or something and, and all of that. Um, but like, I really want to have, you know, a Gen Z presence there and, you know, invite all of my friends um, on LinkedIn, from Instagram, like all these cool people to come see Detroit, come participate, like talk at that. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, we're getting down the logistics and stuff, um, like when we want to do it. It's definitely going to be next summer. Um, but yeah, that'll be that'll be pretty exciting. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on, Leanne. It was a blast. I feel like I got to hear so many great stories in this episode. Uh, so yeah, this is this has been really great, and I'm. I, again, appreciate your time because I know you're busy. But yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up here for anyone listening. At this point, I think I'm still going to keep doing the giveaway. <laughs> We're going to keep on going uh, because 
yeah, I really want to build out this community, the work in progress community. Uh, so be sure to sign up for the email list that I will link in the show notes, as well as if you want to stay, uh, I guess, in touch or stay up to date with the newest podcast episodes, the best way to do that would be to subscribe and leave a review because that's always super helpful. So uh, this wraps up this episode. And yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn if you have any questions or feedback. Peace.